Today is All Saints Day, a day when we remember, we reflect on the unity of the church. Because you and I were the church, we're the saints, and we're alive here today in this world. But there's also saints that have come before us, people we've known and loved, or even ancient people that we never had a chance to meet, that are alive in the presence of the Lord, and they are the church. And still, there are people yet to come, like my little daughter, hopefully, born in March 8th, who will be part of the church, the future. And so it's important to take this time today to reflect on who are we, really, and who do we follow? Now, as All Saints Day, we think of the word saint. And you can ask, well, what is a saint? And often I think that when we ask that question, we might think of some ancient sage living on some mountain, deploying wisdom with kind of a halo painted around his head. But that's not who Jesus said saints are. That's not what the church has said. Who are the saints, really? The question is, well, it's you and me. That's the answer, all of us. And uh, each uh, saint, uh, all saints there, notice that we always uh, hear the Beatitudes, Jesus' lesson on how to live. And I think these are words of Jesus that were very, if you've been going to church for a while, they're very familiar. You've heard them before. But I also think that they're quizzical. You might, you might ask yourself, well, what do they mean really? Because when you read them or you hear them, they sound so bizarre. Blessed are, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom. Blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Blessed are you when they hate you? These are challenging words. And it'd be easy to say something like, well, here are the rules. Here's the rule book. Go out and follow it. That would be easy to say. But it'd be a heavy burden. And I'm, I don't think I could do this. Like, this is really hard. And yet, these are the words of Jesus to us. And I was reflecting on this when I was preparing for today. And I was having a hard time to make, making sense of this sermon. I promise you, I was having a hard time for this, <laughs> for this Sunday. Yet, when Richard was reading, I kept hearing something that uh, Sean Krausford said up here one time when he preached. And I, I tried not to forget it. He reminded us that he is a deacon and his job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Now I'm a priest, but if you've known other priests, they'll tell you, well, you were ordained a deacon once. And once a deacon, always a deacon. And I think that could be the theme for today. The words of Jesus are comfort to the afflicted, but they will afflict the comfortable. 
Because when we look at these words of Jesus, blessed you who are poor for yours is the kingdom. Blessed are you when people hate you and they exclude you because of the Son of Man. I'm remembering right now my sister. She came to visit me this weekend. My sister's, um, she's a pastor in Ontario. She's out here for a, a conference. And so she paid me a visit. And I don't see her too often. And for many years we were very close, but you know, Geography, time, maybe you grow distant a little bit. But she came to see me, and often we end up talking about the past. It's really what we have in common sometimes, our childhood. And for many of you who know, it, it was a very hard time for us. You know, our parents divorced when we were very young. Um, mostly we lived with my father. He was very physically abusive, and so we lived with grandparents and other people. And it was a very tumultuous, challenging childhood. And now both my sister and I, we have children. And when we look at them, it becomes harder to understand our parents' behavior given how much we love our children and how they uh, inhabit a tender part of our hearts. And so I just, it's hard to make sense of them. And we're talking about them. And we're both in ministry. We're both pastors. And so the topic came up of forgiveness, how challenging it is. And yet both of us knew we know Jesus' words of forgiveness. All right? 70 times 7. In other words, you always forgive. We were having that conversation, and it was uncomfortable, you know, talking about memories, sharing new new information with each other that we never, we never spoke about from our childhoods, new revelations. And we realized, although how Jesus' words are so challenging, always forgive. Blessed are, blessed are you when people hate you. These words of Jesus, they're hard, but at the same time, they're comfort. They are comfort. Because for us, we knew what is what we knew, we know what it's like to be hated by the people who should love you and protect you. And sadly, I know that we're not alone. All of us in this room have hurt, unresolved pain with loved ones, with friends who were meant to be friends, but they've actually hurt us. I think for all of us here, I think it's safe to assume we all have that question mark, that hole in our hearts. I want to tell you something. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. See, on the one hand, you could see this as a rule book. These are things that we're meant to do. And there's true, that's true. But I want to focus on the fact that these are also promises of Jesus. That if you're hurting right now, you will laugh. That's not a pie in the sky hope. When you follow Jesus, that is what's going to happen. I know that for a fact because I've seen God's love and grace in my life. From living in shady parts in Los Angeles, that's all my parents could afford, to somehow being a priest here in the Bow Valley, I don't understand it, except I could say to you, God's grace. It works out. So maybe right now, you're in that dark spot. And it feels like what I'm saying might be a pie in the sky hope. 
I can't control how you receive it, but I'm telling you that Jesus is promising that it's going to be okay. You trust in him, it's going to be okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're not going to suffer. You know that life contains real suffering. Jesus never said you're not going to suffer. He's saying you're going to weep, but later you're going to laugh. It means not when you suffer, and you give that to Jesus, you will be made like Jesus. The one who suffered and yet loved. The one who hurt and yet forgave. The kind of person who is a true agent of love and peace in this world. And the more, the more people we have like that, this world actually does change. So that's the first thing I want to share with you this morning. I hope you're hearing it. Not me, I hope you're hearing Jesus. The second part is, starting at uh, verse 20, uh, 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Last week I was here, I shared how there's nothing more dangerous to your faith than pride. Inculcating the belief that somehow you don't need God. That you can do it on your own. But if I had to add a, add a, add a tagline to that one, <laughs> what follows next to pride? It's comfort. Comfort. Now the gospel, when you read it in any in any context, any culture, will have to uh, encourage those who are listening, but at the same time challenge the hearers. And it would be different in every culture, because not all cultures are identical or the same. Not every culture has the same weakness. Right? For example, if you were in my Guatemalan context, and I was preaching this, we have to deal with a culture that's very patriarchal, very heavy-handed. In fact, the Hispanic people that I am meeting and coming to the Spanish service in Banff, part of the hesitation is that they've been in churches where they've been judged, where they've been hurt. And they're scared of church because they don't want to feel it's, to be made to be sinners who can't be redeemed, just broken and castigated. But that's not our culture. And I would say, thanks be to God. All right? But if there's something that's tripping us up, chronically tripping us up, is comfort. I'll tell you what I mean. We live in a culture that encourages us, that pushes us to always seek comfort through materialism, through things. Life is about accruing more things, more toys, more money, establishing your comfort. Your peace is achieved by the more that you have. I'm telling you what you already know, because if you go out there, that's what you're going to see. Tell us billboards and things and more real estate. That's at the center of our culture. Buy more, have more. But that only flies if the idea of comfort also infects our minds. You have to want comfort in your mind. I want you Comfort is not just material. Well, that's the biggest one we see, but actually comfort 
seeps into the way we think of our ideas. I want to have ideas that make me comfortable. In other words, I want to have ideas that don't cause friction with other people around me. Because, of course, if people around me don't like what I'm thinking and saying, that's causing friction. That causes me discomfort. And so the way that I can have maximum comfort is not only materialistic, but it's actually having the ideas that won't offend anyone, that won't push anyone. But the fact is, sometimes you have to have ideas that offend others in order to speak the truth and in order to have justice in this world. One example. I've had conversations, and I've also heard in the area, people say, why do we have to talk about the plight of indigenous people? It was just a mistake. Can't they get over that? course, that wouldn't be right. It's important for us to hear our indigenous sisters and brothers and to have an accurate understanding of what our nation and we as a people have done. That means hearing uncomfortable things, right? But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. There are other truths that we are we must proclaim as the saints that are uncomfortable. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ will come again. That is also uncomfortable. Because many people don't believe that and don't want to hear that. And we're meant not only to proclaim that, but to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. And that is uncomfortable. So if you have a system of ideas that tells you, well, accurately, to view Christianity accurately, is to not proclaim that and to not invite people, I would say to you, you have a Christianity that at its core, Jesus doesn't live at the center of that Christianity, comfort lives there. And Jesus tells you, you have already, woe to you, because you've already received your comfort. Because our comfort isn't meant we found ultimately in the toys and the money that we can accrue. And our comfort doesn't come from having the most fashionable current ideas. What everyone else says is true. Our comfort is found in Jesus. Completely and only. Because what he's saying here, I want you to think of the, the Beatitudes here. These are, the, these are the eternal rules. This is the mind of God, his plan for a human life, right there. And when I read them, and I think if you read them and you're being honest, you'd have to say, I can't live like this. This is really hard, extremely hard. Yeah, that's the point. We're so hurt and so broken. We have thousands of years of hurting and breaking each other that we need help to do what's right. We need help. And I want you to look at the one who's saying these words, Jesus, the creator God, intervening in history and coming to us, the human race, and sharing these words 
He's showing you and me the what the life, uh, the person who's following him, this is what their life's going to look like. That's what he's sharing. And yet he doesn't end with these words. This is not the end of the story. He shares these, the shape of a life. Then what does he do? Well, he goes to the cross. And he gives his life for you and for me. He accomplishes what you nor I could never accomplish. Justification, justifying ourselves, standing before God. Jesus is the only one who could die and stand before God and say, I did it perfectly. I can live with you. You and I can't do that. But Jesus does that. And then he turns around, he looks to us and he says, here's my hand. Will you take it? Will you trust me? If you take my hand, you're still going to suffer. That's true. I suffered. They hated me. In fact, they killed me. Take my hand. You're still going to suffer. You're still going to have uncomfortable conversations. You're still going to have to proclaim uncomfortable ideas. I will be with you every step of the way. My reality, my spirit will be your comfort. And you're going to find out that neither money or fashionable ideas will be your security. My life and my love will be your comfort. And when that's true in your life, guess what you'll be able to do? You'll be able to do the radical thing. For example, forgive. You'll be able to forgive the people who've hurt you, who aren't asking, who aren't apologizing, or asking for a relationship. You'll be empowered to forgive. You won't hate them or kill them in your heart or your mind. You'll pray for them. You'll be a new person. When you go out in the world and people start asking questions, who are you? Why do you live this way? You'll be able to share with them why your life has changed. And then they will come to know Jesus. And then they will forgive. You see how it works? That changes the world. Not money. Not fashionable ideas. Only Jesus. The saints aren't found on some mountaintop delivering quotable wisdom. We're here right now, full of mistakes and weakness, victories and many defeats. But the saints aren't people who are trusting themselves. They're just trusting in Jesus. Jesus, I, on my own, I can't do it. But I know you can. And I trust in you. I don't want to live on my made-up rules, whatever I think is right or wrong. I want you to tell me, hey, what's right? What's wrong? How do I live in the light of your life, your love? That's a saint. And so, my friends, as we do every Sunday, we're going to come to the Lord's table. And we're going to line up here. And we're going to do what we always do. We're going to put our hands up. Usually folded, right? As recipients. We don't come with our fashionable ideas. We don't come with our money and our comfort. We come as people who need help. And then Jesus feeds us his life and love. We receive it. We join in prayer. And we go out there. The same trust that holds hands to receive the life of God is the same trust that forms us when we're out there. So I invite you, 
trust in Jesus every day of our lives. You make a mistake, don't dwell on it. Stand back up. Jesus, I'm sorry. Help me for the day ahead. He will. I promise you he will. I've seen it in my life. Many of you have seen it in yours. And if you haven't, start asking. You will see it. Not because I'm telling you that, but because Jesus has promised that. And Jesus is the only one who will never lie and will never fail. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that though we live lives that often don't reference you or don't take your word into account, yet you don't abandon us, but you're always near, always waiting and inviting for us to turn to you, to trust in you. You're not there to judge us or condemn us. You're there only to hold us, give us a hug, and welcome, welcome us to your family. Lord, help us to hear this truth of your word Help us to turn to you and trust you every day of our lives. And we thank you that you're always with us. We pray this and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.